Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. Today. Isn't it a beautiful day? Ah, yes. oh, so gorgeous. Uh, well, you know, we've been in the chapel on the series in Jesus, and if you've been here over the past few weeks, uh, we have been studying claims that Jesus made about himself. If you have not been here, all of these messages are online. Also, they're on the website, but also on iTunes. So you can go back and here are some of the things we've been talking about. But we've been talking about things that Jesus said about himself, and he described himself in the, the gospel according to John as uh, I am, and then he would say something there. The I am, uh, ego and me is how you say it in Greek, was Jesus referring back to how God described himself to Moses as the great I am. And Jesus added to that, I am, he added to that some sort of metaphor so we would understand who God is, who would know more about God through these metaphors. And so, so far we've studied a couple of them, and today we're going to look at John chapter 10, where there's actually two I am statements. Now, as I was preparing for the message today, I read a lot of commentaries. Of course, I read scripture. I listened to sermons, and I noticed something, that when people get to this chapter, uh, they tend to pick one of the I am statements over the other. They talk about Jesus saying, I am the shepherd, and they kind of skip the I am the gate, which is what we're going to study today. And I think it's important. We are going to talk about I am the shepherd next week. But this week, we're going to park on this idea of Jesus calling himself the great I am and then attaching to that this image of a gate. You ever wonder why Jesus called himself a gate? I did. I know we skip over that, but today as we're going to read this scripture, it's my prayer, my hope for us that we will have a greater understanding of who God is to us. And so as you listen to the word, ask yourself, Why does Jesus call himself a gate? Listen to God's word. This is John chapter 10. Do you have your Bible with you? If you do, open it up, go right there. In the the chapel, we love to bring our Bible. So how many of you did? Let's see you. Let's see you. Woo-hoo, well done. If you didn't, no harm, no foul. We do have Bibles in that center table in the back. I invite you to go and pick one up. Doesn't distract me whatsoever. Use your phones, your iPads. Just put them on airplane mode so you don't get that annoying text. All right? Okay, so let me read John chapter 10, verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out of all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So, therefore, Jesus said again, 
Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be safe. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Heavenly Father, as we consider your word, we thank you. We thank you because you speak in ways in which we can understand more and more of who you are. And so, Lord, as we seek to understand this metaphor of gate, which Jesus uses to describe himself, Father, I pray that it would be your wisdom that we would walk out with today. I pray, Lord, that you would meet each and every one of us wherever we might find ourselves today and that you would speak to us and that this image of you, O God, would minister to our hearts, that those who feel weak will come out stronger, that those who feel saddened will come out with joy, that those who feel lost will feel found, and on and on, whatever the needs that might be in the room, Lord. You are faithful, and we know that when we seek you, you shall be found. And so it is your name, Jesus, that we trust this time to you and this word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we are familiar with gates. We, uh, there are gates all over, right? We, we have uh, gates. To, when you go to airport, you have to go through a security gate. And once you get through the security gate, you have to walk to your gate before you get to an airplane. Uh, we know about gates when we enter, uh, say, Disneyland or, or some of the amusement parks. We know that Orange County is probably the gate capital in the world because there are more gated communities here than anywhere else. And many gated communities have more than one gate. You get through the first gate and you travel along and there's another gate and maybe a third gate. We're all about gates here. And the thing about gates is that they, they conjure for us a, a positive and a negative thing, right? Because on the one hand, gates represent protection of some sort, but they also represent a barrier keeping us from going into something. And so of all the ways in which Jesus describes himself, gate is the one image that rises up for us a bit of like an emotional roller coaster because we don't quite know how to feel about it. I, I know that when I think of Jesus as a gate in a positive way, I'm good with it. But if I see Jesus as a gate that keeps me from getting somewhere, well, then that's not so good. So it's so important we understand this analogy of Jesus as the gate. As we're going to look through these, this passage, we're going to see four ways in which Jesus' metaphor of gate represents God's protection, God's protection for us. And a gate, of course, represents that, right? Because if you live in a gated community, you have a sense that at least some bad people are going to be kept out. And God, as we will see, uh, is going to show us the protection that he offers us through Jesus Christ as we look at this passage. The first verse, verse 7, where he says, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Now, of course, we don't have a whole lot of sheep around Orange County. And so we have to put ourselves in the context of who heard this and what would they have thought of the minute they heard these words. 
So put, put it in context and for extra credit, I want to encourage you to read John chapter 9. Because in John chapter 9, there's this story of a blind man. He was born blind, and he shows up to Jesus, and Jesus heals him. And people are like, hey, why was this man born blind? Was he sinful? Was his family sinful? And Jesus says, no, it was so that God's glory would be revealed because it was Jesus, the first one ever and since, who was able to bring sight to the blind. Well, the man was sent to the temple to tell the priests, and they're asking him questions like, who, who healed you? And, and he's trying to describe Jesus the best he could, and they're, they're questioning him over, and you, maybe you're not even the one that was blind from birth. And finally, he says, listen, I don't know who this Jesus is, but only God could heal the eyes of the blind. So go ask him. And they throw him out of the temple. They think, don't try to teach us. We're the ones who know about God. And it's outside of the temple, maybe right there where the blind man was standing, just being kicked out of the temple, the Pharisees who were making sure he didn't go back in, and all the crowd that Jesus makes this statement, I am the gate. Just as he said this, a picture would have come in the minds of people that was very familiar to them, still familiar to this day in the Middle East. And that is an enclosure for sheep, a sheep pen or a sheep hold, where you would have uh, it covered maybe by rocks or wood or some sort of plant material. And the shepherd would take his sheep there at night to protect them from any kind of danger and the elements through the night, and then would take them back out to pasture in the morning. And you and I probably have never seen that, so I found this really cool video online that gives us a visual of what Jesus was saying when he says, I am the gate for the sheep. Check this out. You see the difference? When Jesus says, I am the gate, he is like that child, like that man sitting, physically sitting. That's what they would have seen. That's how sheepfolds still exist today, where the shepherd himself sits in that opening, protecting the sheep from anything from outside, protects them physically. Now, something you will have noticed is that the sheep pen doesn't have a nice covering the way you would think of a barn of some sort, right? Uh, covering it from any kind of challenges. It's, it's left out in the open. You still have rain and, and all kinds of dangers that can happen, but the shepherd was there to provide physical protection for the sheep. There's another place in which Jesus described himself as the gate. That's found in Matthew chapter 7. He says this. Now with this picture in mind, listen to these words. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. You see, that's the picture that Jesus wanted to see, that, that sheep pen. And he says, I am the gate, not a gate, not one of several gates, but the gate through which we must enter. But the opening is available to all, available to anyone who comes through. And the first thing he does is he says, in this gate, in this sheep pen, I offer protection. Have you ever been rescued from anything, found a rescued at all? Well, I was rescued by my sister when I was nine years old. We lived in the South Bronx, 
And we moved into an area where people didn't exactly like us living there. And so we were harassed for a long time. They wanted us to move out so bad. We lived in a very old brick building, the fifth floor, and uh, they constantly chased after us. And one day, this group of gangsters decided, you know what, we're going to get these people out once and for all. And so they came to the back of the property where there was a fire escape, and they started yelling at us as they were coming up the fire escape into our apartment. My sister, who was 19 years old at the time, her name, uh, we call her Cookie. Her name is Lizette, but we call her Cookie. She sat literally at the top of the fire escape on our window watching these guys come up, and she placed herself between the thugs who were coming to harm us and us. She placed herself like the gate, essentially. They had to go through her to get to us. And that day, we understood this picture of of this need to be saved. And it doesn't mean, like I said, that we will not have struggles, that God is our protector. Life is easy. Woo-hoo! We don't have to worry about a thing. We still will have all kinds of things happen in our lives, but he still promised us to protect us. And it reminds me of the words of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 2. It says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. You see, God, through his son Jesus, our protector, will be there for us even in the hardest of times. He offers us spiritual protection. One of the things we do here at the chapel that's distinctive is that every service, we get up from our seats and we respond to what we hear God telling us. And so we have these stations throughout the room that we visit after the message. One of them is the candles. And when we light the candles, what we're saying is we trust that even in our darkest times and our biggest struggles, God is our protector. So today, perhaps, you, what do you need God to protect you from? And perhaps as you come forward later, you will light a candle and remind yourself he is your hope. He is your protector. The second way that Jesus tells us that the gate protects us is a spiritual protection. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. He says, you enter through this gate and you will find salvation. The the whole purpose of Jesus coming was to offer salvation to every man, woman, and child all throughout the world of every tongue, every tribe, every ethnicity, every nation. Everyone is invited to enter. Not all do, though. Not all do because, you know, we go around thinking we don't need salvation. We think, hey, I got it. I can take care of myself. Thank you very much. But what did we just hear earlier through our worship? We don't even have power to control our breath. Right? Now, here's the thing. This week, actually yesterday, I I listened to this man who was an amazing singer. He had this incredible voice. And I had a chance to talk to him after he sang. And I said, how do you do it? How do you, like, project your voice so perfectly? I want to learn from you because I'm a communicator and... Sometimes I feel like I'm losing my voice, and he says, well, you have to control your breath. I thought, oh, that's a piece of cake. How do I do that? He goes, okay, well, this is what you have to do. Watch out there, buddy. I might spit on you. (laughs) But he goes, you have to hold this. You have to go for a long time. 
Now, I thought, oh, that's easy to do. And I start, and he starts. He's going and going and going. And I'm like running out of breath. And then my lips wouldn't move anymore. I wouldn't do it. You try it. You know, I know you're laughing at me. You try it. It's not easy to do. We can't even control our own breath. How crazy it is that we think we can control anything else in life. We get a little bit of a control in our life, and suddenly we think we have power over our eternal salvation. We don't. Here's the thing. You and I were created to be in perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father. He loves us so much that though every one of us is rebellious, every one of us at some point has said no to God, has, has neglected or, or doubted God and said, I can do it on my own. At some point in our lives, all of us have done that. And when we separate from God and we say, I'll do it my way, my will, not your will, God. We think we're no more than God. We separate from God. He loves us too much to leave us that way. And so he comes. Jesus comes to pay the price of our rebellious, our rebellion, which we call sin. Our rebellion, there's a cost associated with it. It brings about death, death of relationship, death of relationship with our heavenly father, death of relationship with one another. And God did not want it this way. He says he sent Jesus, his son, that we could have life. Spiritual protection comes through this gate called Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 puts it this way. Salvation is found nowhere else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Only through Jesus do we found, find salvation. Now, you know, some people get really offended by this. No surprise, when Jesus said it the very first time, it was offensive then. Because no one likes the idea that there's only one way to repair a relationship with God. We like to have options, and ultimately what we want to say is we don't even need Jesus. Which is kind of like, think about my situation with my sisters. I'm in this tiny little apartment on the fifth floor in the South Bronx in the early 70s, a gang is about to come upon us and teach us a heavy-duty lesson. My sister chooses to place herself as my savior. Is that a really good time for me not to trust her? Right? It's just not even wise to not trust the one who says, I've come to save you. See, that day we had to put our trust in our sister. Today, you need to put your trust in Jesus for your eternal spiritual protection. He came to give you that. And that's what we remember when we take communion every Sunday. We come after the message and we, we take the bread and we dip it in the cup. And as we take it, we remind ourselves because often, so often, we, we try to go back to self-reliance, self-sufficiency. I don't need God for this. I'll, I'll tell God my plans and ask him to join it, you know, that kind of attitude that we get once in a while. Or, or we think we know more or better than God, and we try to control our lives. And here at the table, we're reminded, God sent his son. Jesus came down from his divine position, made himself a humble servant, he made himself like you and I. He came near, paid the penalty of sin, which is death, the penalty we deserve. And we experienced the life he deserved. So we, we take communion to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded Jesus, the gate, came to give us 
spiritual salvation. Psalm 62 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I'm thinking you might be today someone that needs to read this passage over and over again, almost like speaking truth over yourself because you might be believing that you are not, that you can protect yourself. Only God can. He is your salvation. And he knows the enemy that you're facing. He knows it. My sister understood what was coming up that fire escape. And she knew three little kids, uh, 13, 9, and Eight, there was no chance we could not protect ourselves against these guys. They were much stronger, more powerful than us. And we couldn't even see them. Only she could see them. And so we chose to trust her, understanding that she knew what we were up against. Jesus knows what we're up against, which leads us to the third protection he gives us. He gives us an emotional and intellectual protection. He says in verse 1 and 10, he says, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You know, when I first read this, and I think every time I've read this, I've seen thief and robber, and I think they mean the same thing. Do you make the same mistake? Because there's actually a difference between the two. The thief, he comes in stealth and quiet, He doesn't want to be seen. He comes and takes, and he tries to leave the same way so that you don't even know he came. You lost something, and you didn't even know it happened. But the robber, the robber comes straight at you with violence. No hiding whatsoever. He comes straight at you, attacking you with oppression, with some form of violence to take from you what he wants. And he says there is an enemy that does both sometimes in a stealth matter, comes in and takes something from you, sometimes straight out with violence takes something from you. He says, there is such an enemy. I have come to protect you from that enemy. In Second Peter, this is what it says. It says, there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. See, there will be people who will lead us astray. There is an enemy who wants to take you out. I heard a wonderful teacher talk about the majesty of God, the holiness of God, the purity of God, the, the wisdom, the sovereignty of God. And he said, now imagine there was once an angel, Satan, who wanted to be in the position of God. And God sent him down, casting him away. And since then, he has been interested in keeping anyone else from taking the position he thinks he deserves. So imagine this, God sends his son so that those of us who put our trust in Jesus, we are promised to sit in the very presence of the heavenly father. Now you think Satan likes that? You think that enemy likes the idea that we get what he wanted and thinks he deserves, knowing that you and I don't deserve that? place. So make no mistakes, brothers and sisters. There is one intent on taking you out of the hands of God, but you are protected by the Son. And you cannot be snatched out of his hands because he has you in his protection. 
We have to be aware. We have to be alert at the kinds of things that are constantly going to try to lure us away, either by some stealth manner or some violence against us. And that's what Jesus comes to offer. We must be careful to listen to the right voice and obey it. When my sister started yelling commands at us, right? We're in this incredibly stressful situation. All I wanted to do was go underneath the bed and hide in the darkest corner. Hopefully nobody would find me. And she starts telling us, hey, go find boots, your big book books, your backpacks, anything that's heavy. And we're like, okay, we're just going to do what she says. So we go grab stuff. We bring it to her. And she's throwing this stuff down the fire escape and hitting these guys, bonking them in the head. And many of them decided, okay, this chick is crazy. We're out of here. But a couple of them, they got angrier. And they decided now, okay, I mean, if you heard the words they were saying, the threats they were making, and they just got even more amped up, and they're coming up this fire escape now angry, really ready to give us a good beating. And the thing is, we needed each other, our brothers, my brothers and sisters, and, and my sister, we needed to hold together in order for us to encourage one another in that very scary situation. So here's the thing. So many people today say, I, I don't need to go to church I can listen online. I, I don't need to be in a life group. You know, I got my little relationship with God. You know, me, myself, and I, and a little bit of God. We're, we're good together. But here's the thing. We need community. We need to encourage one another. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love, good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of them are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day coming. This idea that we don't need community, we don't have to show up and be with one another, that's just plain wrong. All I can say about that. Just wrong. When you're here, you know there's a difference, right? Because you sense the presence of one another. And it means that when one is strong and the other one is weak, we can encourage one another. We can, we can sharpen one another. We can guide one another. We can just feel this sense of like community that holds us together in the hands of God, which is why we have an amazing prayer team at every service. We have an elder, a couple usually who stands on this corner of the room after the service, and we have a prayer team sprinkled in the room. These are men and women who make the the commitment to be here for you every week to stand with you in your struggle. You can't get that online. You've got to be here to experience the gift of prayer, the gift of having someone else hold and lock hands with you against whatever you might be facing, whether it's a great day and you want to celebrate or a very low, dark place and you need someone else's strength. And so that's why we go after prayer. In 2 Thessalonians, it says this, The Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. It is Jesus as the gate that will protect us from our worst enemy. It is he who gives us victory against our largest opponent. It is he who can save us from the worst situations in our lives. That day in the South Bronx, I experienced uh, someone that rescued me. As, as these two guys were coming up the fire escape, now we've thrown everything. I mean, goodness, the next day of school, we had no books, you know? <laughs> I 
My sister goes, go and get the belts. And you know, this was the early 70s. We had belts, big buckles, you know? And we, so we went and got some of those belts and she wrapped it around her hands with the buckle on this side. Are you getting the picture? When this kid made it to the top of the fire escape, the first one, he got a beating from her. And he went back down, and he, the other guy went back down, but they were not leaving. They wanted to stick around. So she said, put some water, boil some water. So my, my brother and my sister and I, we went and found the biggest pan we can find, and we went to the uh, tub in the shower and put on hot water, put in some hot water on the thing. We're all slopping this thing over to the stove, put on the heat, and she's like threatening them. You come up here. You're going to get this and that. And they're like threatening her. But this is all thing going. And finally, she says, bring the water. It took all three of us to carry all this water over to the window where she was, and she poured that water over those boys. Mmm. Yep. You know what came at them. See, that day I saw my sister was a rock star, right? She was so courageous, 19 years old, beautiful, blonde, skinny little girl. I mean, my goodness, she could could not take those guys out, but she chose to put her life at risk for us. You see, that's what Jesus does for you and for me. The protection that he offers us is not temporary like the protection my sister offered us, because after that day, we're back out there, and there's, she's, maybe when she wasn't around, we didn't have her protection. But see, the protection that Jesus gives us is with us every day, every hour, for eternity. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come to give them life, and to the full means life forever. Life that never ends a protection from Jesus that never, ever lets us down, a kind of protection that nothing in this world could possibly give us. And you see, when the person, this I hear all the time, at the last days of someone, when they're taking their last breaths and they see that their their end is coming, you know what people ask all the time? They ask me as a pastor, is is there some assurance of what's going to happen to me next? Is there really, truly a God that's going to receive me? Will he accept me? Or am I going to be uh, now part of the elements, part of the trees and the ocean and the the world, the the universe? Am I going to simply cease to exist and just, that was it, that was life? We want to know these things. In the hour of our last breath, we want to know, is it true that we are being offered eternal life? And it is true. It is true. Jesus came to offer us life, life eternal. That on that moment, when we're on our last breath, we could have confidence. You've heard what Billy Graham said about himself. He said, one day you'll hear that I died. Make no mistake, I'm more alive than ever because I'm in the presence of my Heavenly Father. Imagine an attitude that you and I can have What's the worst that can happen? Heaven. What's the worst that can happen? We could be in the presence of God. What's the worst that can happen? We can be sitting in the throne with God, watching as he saves the rest of the world. What's the worst that can happen? No more tears, no more sorrow. 
all the time in the love of God. That's the worst that can happen to you and I when we put our trust in Jesus. It does not mean that we will not suffer in this time. But when we do, he is with us. And he will protect us. And the things that happen to us, and you might be going through some things right now, you're going, I don't feel very protected. Do know he does not leave you even in the darkest hour. Somehow, some way, some way, I pray that his presence will be felt by you. Because even in those dark moments, we know, we're reminded, the worst thing that can happen is that I get to go and be in the presence of God. John chapter 3 reminds us of this truth. It starts in the end of verse 15. 315, it says this, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. And believes in him is trust in him. Anyone who trusts in him, anyone who puts their life in his hands shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So many people say, I don't like Jesus being the only way. But he is offering the greatest gift ever. And he wants everyone, everyone to experience it. This gift isn't for some of us. We don't have to be qualified to receive it. In fact, the one qualification is that we are humble in accepting our brokenness and our need for him. That's it. It doesn't require you to clean up yourself and get your act together and wipe your dirty past or get over your addictions or your challenges. No, it just requires that you trust him, and in him you have eternal life. Jesus said, I am the gate. I came to protect your physical well-being. I came to protect your spiritual well-being. I came to protect your emotional and intellectual well-being. I came to protect your eternal life. Are you willing to enter into his fold? And are you willing to trust him when you're there and storms are hitting you and wind is coming and, and all kinds of stuff is coming? Are you willing to trust him with your life as he gives his life for you. As we respond this morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus as our shepherd, our provider, our guide. But today, I want us to really leave with a deep sense of his protection. And I can't think of a better way to do that than to read Psalm 91. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. It's not going to be on the screen because I want you to just listen to these words, receive them, and find yourself in this psalm. Maybe what it is that you need protection from. Find yourself in it. Claim that passage for yourself. Listen to the promises that God makes to you as he seeks to protect you. Listen to these words. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. 
He is my God, and I will trust him. For he is my rescue. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from any deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. So just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras, and you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Father, thank you. Every one of us needs your protection. The promises of this psalm, the promises seem so almost unbelievable in the circumstances that we might face in our own lives. Is it true, oh God? Would you remind us that you are our protector? That ultimately, though for a time we might suffer, ultimately we have the promise of life eternal with you. Nothing can take us out of your hands. And so, Lord, as we respond to your promises, would you speak to every brother and sister here today? Would you remind them of the protection you promise each and every one of them? And be specific to their circumstance, that they might hear your voice in a fresh new way today. Thank you for your protection, O oh God. Thank you for putting your life as our protection. Thank you that every one of us is invited into your fold. May we walk in it boldly and with a heart full of gratitude. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Go ahead and stand and respond to what the Lord is saying to you. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.